The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by the Reverend Dr. Craig Troxell. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. Good morning. Uh, Welcome again. Uh, to a chapel at Westminster Seminary, California, virtual chapel that is. Uh, we are returning to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the chapter on love. And this morning we'll be looking at a portion of verse 5 and uh, considering how love is unselfish. Love is unselfish. And so we read these words again, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Love is not rude, it does not insist on its own way. Love is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, how thankful we are uh, to have this time together when we can sit under the ministry of your word. And what a blessing it is, Father, to be in Christ and to know that every spiritual blessing that we enjoy and have is because either we are in Christ or because Christ is in us that is in us by his Holy Spirit. And so we look to the presence of Christ, to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of your truth again this morning that you would encourage us and how we can follow in the footsteps of our Savior, how we can relish the good things that we have through the promises of God and how it is that we can exalt Christ in our lives, even in our hearts. So we ask that you would do this as we reflect upon your word this morning. All these things we pray, Father, seeking uh, to glorify Christ and coming with thanksgiving in our hearts for him who died our death and was raised in victory uh, that we might overcome death as well. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, There's a few of you who are watching that may be familiar uh, with this book. You may not be able to see it from where you are, uh, but it's Style and Class by Zitza Booning. Uh, Zitza Booning is actually um, a pseudonym uh, for Stanley Wiersma, who taught English at Calvin College for many years. Uh, Style in Class is a, a collection of free verse poetry, of poems, and mostly reflecting upon a Dutch reformed life in northwest Iowa, a, a Dutch enclave there. And it's, it's playful, even as it's respectful of the, the Dutch tradition there offering lots of insights, but on occasion it has a poem or two about life from the motherland. And here's one about Wilhelmina. And we don't mean the mints, we mean the queen. A queen Wilhelmina was entertaining the Frisian Cattle Breeders Association at dinner. The Frisian farmers did not know what to make of their finger bowls. They drank them down. The stylish courtiers from The Hague nudged each other and pointed and laughed at such lack of style. Until the queen herself, without a smile, raised her finger bowl and drained it, obliging all the courtiers to follow suit without a smile. The courtiers had style, but Queen Wilhelmina had class. Let me ask you a question. What is, what is your goal? Is it to to go in style, or is it to show some class? 
Uh, there's a great difference between these, these two things, between style and class. Style is when you do something and you look good as you do it. Class is when you do something and you make someone else look good. So if you're striking for style, it means you're doing something for, for show. You're seeking the spotlight. If you're doing it, doing something out of sensitivity to class, it means you're doing it from principle and you're willing to step into the shadow. Style is done because people are looking. A class is pursued whether or not people are looking. In style, you're seeking the attention of others. In class, you are seeking the needs of others. We could say that style is, is like winning the MVP of the NBA because you scored the most points. But class is when you had the most assists in the NBA and helped your team win the championship. There's a great difference between these things. And when we think of style, we think of somebody who is self-seeking. It's, it's self-love. It's all about me. Think Tony Stark. And it's okay in life to have a little style every now and then. But the problem is, by nature, we already think about ourselves too much, too highly, and too often. That Many times we descend into self-absorption. Uh, we are self-indulgent in our desires. And sometimes we go to great lengths to get what we want. And many times when we are caught in this mindset, we're not thinking about the needs of those around us. In fact, we don't even see those needs. We don't feel those needs because we are so preoccupied with ourself. And this form of self-love many times seeks its own interests, even if it's rude. The word here, rude, it means indecent. It means pursuing something, even if it is unbecoming uh, to someone, uh, to yourself, even if it's, if it's rude. Uh, we think years ago, during the MTV Awards ceremony, when Taylor Swift won an award and she was about to make her speech, and Conway West runs into the stage, grabs a microphone from her hand, and saying he doesn't mean to diss her, but he's making his case for why Beyonce should have won the award, much to the embarrassment of everybody, including Beyonce, who ended up in tears. It was rude. It was self-serving. So when we act in self-love, when we're seeking style, many times we want credit, we're seeking applause. When we do something well, and we want pity and attention when we do not. This manifests itself in our talk, that many times we're dominating the conversation with other people. We're not listening to them. We're not asking them questions. We're bringing the conversation back to ourselves. And when self-love does not get what it wants, it ends up whining or pouting like a spoiled child. Now think for a moment about the, the Greek god of love, Eros, or the, the Roman equivalent of Cupid. How is that god pictured and sculptured? What is it immediately that comes to mind? There are two things that we attach uh, to that uh, Greek god in the way uh, that it's pictured, often with a bow and arrow. It's a cunning, seductive hunter seeking what it wants. But perhaps the first thing that popped into your mind was how often that, that god is pictured as someone much younger, perhaps even as a child, representing what really is a childish, selfish love. It seeks what it wants. But of course, this is not just with children, it's also with adults. Uh, some of you have probably read uh, some of the works of Ayn Rand, uh, books that uh, talk about her philosophy called objectivism. And in one of her books, The Fountainhead, uh, the hero of that book says, the world revolves around me. 
Uh, somebody has said that there was a day when we didn't call such people objectivists, we simply called them jerks. And Paul is saying, this is not love. It's not love. It's not just weak in style, but it definitely has no class. It is not love. You see, the spirit of love is captured in these words that love is not selfish. It's not rude. It's not always insistent, not always seeking its own way. Love is willing to rein in its selfish desires. It doesn't always have to have its own way all the time. It doesn't always have to indulge its own wishes. Real love denies itself. It lays down its wants, even sometimes laying down its legitimate rights out of the interests of somebody else. And when you forget about yourself for just a few moments, when you help others, when you are looking to their interests, when you are listening to their problems, that's not just a classy move. It's much, much more than that. It is love. And every Christian knows that they are not to live to to please themselves, not to live for their own happiness. A Christian is not interested in simply gratifying themselves, especially at the expense of their neighbor or at the neglect of their brother or sister. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Which means that many times you will have to deny your own needs, your own wishes, your own plans. The Christian life is filled with our plans changing again and again and again at inconvenient times, all because we're interested in helping others. It's interesting that towards the end of the book, I don't think this is a spoiler alert, but Jean Valjean in Les Miserables never finds love, but he finds joy, and he finds joy in others finding love and doing everything he can to keep that love safe. Christ says, You must not love yourself more than all things. You must not even love your own life. In John 12, 25, it says, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. In other words, self-love seeks its own and it tries to cling to what in the end it cannot keep. But real love takes up the cross, denies itself, and is crucified to its selfish desires into this world. Now we can pursue these things. We can actually perform such things because as Christians, God's love is in our hearts and it's the Holy Spirit that is pouring the love of God into our hearts so that we might be able to pour it into others' lives. And you can make a real difference when you show such love, when you're trying to exemplify a little class and not try to to show off. Even if you're very young, perhaps somebody who is in high school is, is listening, thinking, well, this is something only grown-ups do, and it's not true. When I was in high school, uh, when I was a freshman, I experienced what is called hazing. And it was uh, pretty rough, and it was difficult. It made life very miserable, very, very uncomfortable. And when I became a senior, I decided that I wasn't going to do such things and I was going to try to protect somebody. So I picked the scrawniest kid that came out for football. I don't think he even weighed 100 pounds. His name was Roland. And I said, Roland, I said, your locker is going to be underneath my locker. Nobody's going to mess with you. If they give you trouble, come see me and I'll take care of it. 
And I remember inviting uh, Roland to a, a high school youth retreat, Christian retreat at one time, but I don't really remember actually even sharing the gospel with him. But later on in years to come, he sent me a letter and, and he said, I want you to know what I'm doing. And he was involved in Christian ministry, he was married, he had four children. And he said, I want you to notice the, the young man second from the left. He said, he's named after the man who led me to Christ. His name is Craig. And I don't remember doing anything really significant or heroic, but it just goes to show when we show just a little bit of love and consideration to people around us, it really can make a difference. And what the world needs right now at this very moment is, is less people seeking the spotlight or seeking to um, ingratiate themselves to the world or seeking their own interests. It needs to see more love. And we don't need to think so broadly. Many of us find ourselves more in close quarters, living with each other and our families more than we ever have before. And it's unselfishness. And it's somebody not seeking their own interests that would be perhaps one of the greatest helps as we live together. People need this love. And they want this love. And they recognize it as something real. Because what they're seeing in this love is something of Christ. They're seeing the love of Christ. And just think about it for a moment. If any one person who's ever walked this earth had a right to exercise their own way and their own rights and to assert their will, it was the eternal Son of God become flesh, Jesus Christ. But Jesus did not seek his own way or his own will or his own desires. He did not come to please himself foremost in his heart, was not to do his own will, but to do the will of the Father. He says in John chapter 6, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. He did not come into this world to assert his own privileges. He came to seek out our needs. He did not come looking to his own happiness, but looking to our eternal joy and salvation. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who epitomizes the one who does not insist on his own way. He did not even so much as flinch from carrying out his unselfish calling. He could not be distracted by Peter from setting his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem, knowing the suffering that awaited him there. He did not shrink back in the garden, but he embraced the Father's will and said, not my will, but your will be done. He does not resist being arrested or tried, or betrayed and condemned. He does not refuse being beaten, or punched in the face, or mocked, or spit upon. All of this because he did not cling to his own. He sacrificed everything of his in order to obtain everything for us. His heart was set upon love, and to fulfill all that love required in order to save us. And so what this means is Christ carried our sin to the cross, all of our self-absorption, all of our self-centeredness, all of our disobedient self-indulgence, and swallowed up all that these sins deserved. And this is love, <clears throat> a love that is so disposed and ready and willing and unwavering uh, to own the terrible obligations of our salvation and to seal them all with his own unspeakable suffering. And all this, simply put, because Christ considered the needs of others as more important than himself, even unto death. So in light of his unselfish love for you, 
What will you do for him? Do not be conformed to this world and its selfish ways and its obsession with style. Pursue what is best for others. Seek their good. Seek their joy. Seek their honor. And show this world what real love is. Show them the love of Christ who did not come to seek his own way but came to seek out sinners like you and like me. Let us pray. Our gracious God and our Father, we know what love is. Your word is so clear, particularly in this chapter of the Bible, where it is so descriptive, not just of what love is, but what love must do. Oh, Father, help us to walk in obedience to pursue these things, and to do so for the sake of Christ. And Father, it is in him, in his life, in his prayers, in his obedience, in his sacrifice that we see what love is. Help us to imitate him who has loved us unto death and loves us still. All these things, Father, we pray, not just with gratitude, but with love in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Go in peace. Copyright 2020, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.